It is Wednesday, November 16th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to our Week 11 Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And with me at a different time this week is Jared Smola because I got a family wedding to go to down on Long Island in a couple days, Jared. So I'm going to be doing some traveling tomorrow. Can't do our normal middle of the Thursday preview, but are you awake enough for this one? I've been a mess all week, Matt. I, I love my uh, weekly routine during the season. You know, I, Monday I do bang, bang, bang. Tuesday it's this, this, this. Everything's thrown off now. I've, I've, I've been struggling all week. That was my goal. So now I can finally hit you on the players that I disagree with you on. So now I'll just get you to agree because you're ready to submit at this point. That's right. So let's start with the Thursday night game, Tennessee at Green Bay Packers by three points in this one over under 41. They came back to life against the Cowboys last week, won that game in overtime. Christian Watson was the star of that one, obviously, and he jumps into wide receiver three territory in our rankings. You know, I always wonder if after a guy has a big game, if suddenly putting him in starter territory is overreaction. I don't think it is for Christian Watson because not only did he score three times, which obviously that part is fluky, but his eight targets doubled his nearest teammate. And most importantly, this team has needed a pass catcher to stand out, to step up at some point. And they clearly want Christian Watson to be a factor. They, he's been injured multiple times this year, and they've been giving him bigger roles. He was well ahead of Sammy Watkins in work in that game against Dallas. So I, I think that they want him to be that guy. Will he get those targets every week? We'll see about that. But there's at least room for it. Yeah, he was, what, the 34th overall pick of you know this spring's draft, early second-round pick. So the Packers obviously want to get a return on their investment. They were obviously high on the guy. We know he he's a physical freak like he's big he's fast he, he's still unpolished he could have had another touchdown in that game last week Rodgers threw a perfect ball down the right sideline Watson like kind of stopped tracking it ended up making a one-handed attempt at it couldn't reel it in but I mean you know, so again he, he's he's gonna make mistakes still and, you know Rodgers is gonna have to live with that but yeah like you said they they need him um you, you mentioned the eight targets that was in a game where Rodgers only threw it 20 times it was a 40 percent target share for Christian Watson ran her out on 88 percent of the pass play so Decent matchup here. The thing about the Packers last week, they went super, super run heavy. Uh, they were negative 23% in pass rate over expected. That was against a Cowboys team that offenses have gone run heavy against them for most of the season. Now it's a Titans defense where they're first in pass rate over expected again. So we could see a big shift in Green Bay's play calling tomorrow night where they actually end up going you know, pass heavy in this game. I don't think that they have that in them. I think we'll see more passing, but I think this is an offense that wants to run. So they're going to try to do that anyway. Maybe it will be a little bit closer to balance this week. Yeah, that, that, that's fair. That's kind of where we haven't projected at. But again, I would not be surprised if we're looking back, you know, on Friday and they went, you know, 65 percent pass. They also, you know, could stick with the run because I think like you're alluding to that is kind of the strength of their offense right now. I'll take the over on 20 pass attempts this time, I guess, especially if they go to overtime. Right. Um, he was right with Alan Lazard. Speaking of Christian Watson was right with Alan Lazard in routes. So I don't think Alan Lazard is disappearing at this point. And, you know, mostly because we expect there to be more 20 pass, more than 20 pass attempts. So you don't, I guess this is an offense where you kind of have to choose one receiver. Cause I'm not sure they're going to throw enough to support two, mm-hmm. but I don't think Alan Lazard is out of starter consideration. No, I mean, if you made me bet, I'd still bet on Lazard scoring more fantasy points the rest of the way. I think Watson will probably have the bigger spike weeks. I think Lazard will be more consistent. He, he ran her out on 100% of pass plays last week. He saw a 20% target share. That you know doesn't mean much when you only throw 20 times, but if he can stick around 20% 
the rest of the season, you know, he, he's going to be someone you can start and be happy with most weeks. Of course, Aaron Jones had a big game there. We know we're starting him. A.J. Dillon quietly had a solid game. As you said, they went run heavy against Dallas. Doesn't look like the kind of game to do that. And even if they give him a similar number of touches this week, it's not a matchup to bet on A.J. Dillon delivering fantasy numbers. Yeah, brutal matchup. Tennessee first in football outsiders uh, run defense, DVOA. They're fifth in adjusted points allowed to running backs. And again, you know, teams in general aren't trying to even run much against this defense. They're first and passer and over expected against. So we'll, we'll see. Um, but, you know, Dylan has not really been a fantasy asset for a while now, and I would not expect this that to change in this matchup. Yeah, and they're trending toward getting the Titans, I mean, uh, getting Jeffrey Simmons back in the middle of that defense that they didn't have last week. So that would make them even tougher against the run in this one. On the Tennessee side, I don't think there's anything sneaky. The biggest news, I guess, is Ryan Tannehill being off the injury report. So that ankle should be in better shape this week. Not sure that makes anybody particularly attractive among the pass catchers, though, unless you think last week was just Nick Westbrook-Akine breakout. <laughs> no, you can ignore Westbrook-Akine. Um Traylon Burks returned last week and ran her out on 75% of the pass plays and saw a 17% target share. So pretty encouraging return there. I'm not, I'm not sure there's enough passing volume for any of these wide. I mean, Robert Woods has been seeing big target shares and he's been doing nothing. Now Burks is more talented. I think he has more upside, but, um, and especially in this matchup, like you said, the Packers are, are pretty much a run funnel, much tougher against the pass than the run. It should be a heavy Derrick Henry game. So Burks should probably be owned in leagues of like 12 plus teams, but I I would think you could do better than him this week. Yeah. I would like to not have to use any of them. If you have to Burks certainly has upside. I would say he has the highest ceiling of the Titans receivers. As soon as this week, he's the first one I would use if you're choosing among them for some reason. Um, Anything else from that game? No. Detroit at the giants giants by three over under 45 on the Detroit side. We had no Jamal Williams at practice Wednesday, but it's an illness. So we'll watch that this week and make sure he's back, but they tend to be Deandre Swift. He did play a tiny bit more last week. You have to look close to see it, but it was a tiny bit more than the week before, not a significant enough bump to like the usage to be sure. And especially after all the talk, like do Staley saying, Oh, I hope he brings that anger onto the field. Like you can only get so angry when you're getting six carries. Yeah. Swift was a full go in practice on Wednesday after, you know, last week he went limited, limited full. So the fact that he was full on Wednesday is a step in the right direction at this point though. I think nothing the coaches say, nothing the practice reports say means anything to me. It's just, we have to see Swift actually, play a lot and get the ball a lot before we can really trust him. Like I do think he's trending up and I would bet on him playing more this week than last. But as far as what that's going to mean touch wise, like I, I couldn't tell you. So um, I, I know a lot of teams are forced to start him, but I think you still have to project a limited workload this week again until we see it increase. I will say that they, they have the coaches have been talking like they want to get him involved again. So I believe that it's really just trying to watch out for the shoulder, you know, whether it's being overly protective or not. So I think it's coming. And I think if you have DeAndre Swift to this point, we did our fifth buy sell hold report of the season this week, just posted Wednesday morning. I think you kind of have to hold Swift right now, unless you find somebody that really thinks he's got a big rebound coming and they're willing to pay for him. But otherwise, you're just going to frustrate yourself more at this point if you give up now and watch somebody else get the points once he finally does get the ball again. Yeah, I mean, the opportunity is there for him to still carve out a big role in this in this offense in the passing game in particular with all the injuries and you know, TJ Hawkinson being gone from Detroit. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely not giving up on Swift. But again, um, I'm not super confident in him this week. 
It's a little bit easier to, to not play him this week. If you have solid options, because the giants have been a negative scoring matchup for running backs, sixth toughest by our adjusted fantasy points allowed to the position, fewest running back receptions allowed. So a lot of times you'll see a defense be tough against running backs. And then it's like, Oh yeah, but they're giving up a fair number of receptions, which would help a player like Deandre Swift. But for whatever reason, that has not happened with the Giants. And I was expecting, like, I yeah. specifically looked at that because I was like, oh, the Giants stink at linebacker. I bet they give up some catches. It hasn't happened for whatever reason. Yeah. Well, they're 23rd in football outsiders running back coverage rankings. They're also 27th in run defense DVOA over the past five weeks. So I hate when this happens. Like, the, yeah. some, some of the numbers say it's a good matchup. The fantasy points allowed do not. Like, it's tough to know what to believe. I, I just tend to usually treat those as, as neutral. Yeah, that, that's the way I would do it, too. If you bring in somebody like Damian Pierce into this one, you're not scared of the Giants. But if you've got somebody who's not on a roll right now, you also don't treat it like it's a blow up spot. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, uh, I'll, sorry, go ahead. I, I would say Jamal Williams, as long as that illness is not an issue, like he remains a, a solid fantasy player. He has 15 plus carries in six of his last seven games now. Mm hmm. At wide receiver, Josh Reynolds was also not practicing Wednesday. He's got a back injury, missed the past two games. That'll certainly help Khalif Raymond's chances of getting another three catches if Josh Reynolds is out. DJ Chark designated to return from IR, so we'll see what that means. I didn't see anything yet that indicates he might play this week, but we'll see. Maybe you did. Uh, Tim Twentyman, one of their beat writers, said that Chark was going to do a little bit in practice today. He's not on the official injury report because, you know, he's still not actually activated. So that, the tweet made it seem like Chark's not ready to play yet. He's just back at practice. So I, you know, you could add him in deep leagues, but I'm not super excited about him the rest of the way. Yes, I agree. On the other side, we've got Daniel Jones facing the number two scoring matchup for QBs by adjusted fantasy points allowed and a game that's got a, a fairly high over under when you consider the two teams yeah. playing. So not just the good matchup and adjusted points allowed, but the most quarterback points allowed when you don't adjust it. Uh, also the second most QB rushing yardage allowed. They allowed that big game to Justin Fields last week. They allowed 90 yards to Jalen Hurts in week one. The Lions allowed 40 plus to Geno Smith and Aaron Rodgers along the way. So Daniel Jones is never going to be a guy where I'm like, oh, it's <laughs> Daniel Jones week. But you yeah. know, if you need a quarterback, there are worse picks this week. I picked him up in one league to play him. Yeah, the rushing yards point is the one I was going to make. And, you know, Jones is not on Hurts or Fields level, obviously, as a runner. But, you know, he's he's a good runner. The Giants are letting him do that stuff. So not super exciting. It's you know probably going to be another Saquon Barkley-centric game plan from the Giants. But I do think Jones pr- probably won't hurt you if you have to start him this week. And he'll probably throw the ball a little bit more than last week when he had 17 pass attempts. Probably, yep. Anything else from that said? No, um, Wondell Robinson's been disappointed the last two weeks. Darius Slayton has been the Giants' best fantasy wide receiver. I think they're honestly like close in value right now. Um, you know, they're both on the field pretty much every p- pass play. Um, and Slayton's just getting more of the, the, the downfield stuff. So you know, they're both like wide receiver fours. Yeah, I agree. Not enough volume to really support anybody. Yep. Jets at New England. Patriots by five and a half. I was a little surprised by that line in this one. Over under 38 and a half, which tells you a lot about the fantasy landscape. First meeting, 22-17 Pats. Ramondre Stevenson went for 143 total yards, 71 on the ground, 72 receiving. We did have Damian Harris involved in that game. He missed the last one before the bye because of illness, but he'll be back. Got 11 carries to Stevenson, 16 the last time out. So even with Damian Harris back, we should, I think, expect a, a fair amount of touches and solid production from Stevenson here. Yeah, I mean, I think Stevenson is the better bet for more carries, and then we know he's going to dominate the passing game work. Stevenson 
has five plus targets in four straight games now and six of the last seven. Like his role in the passing game has been massive, which which really helps. Obviously, Harris, I think, is like a touchdown dependent running back three. I, I don't you know, I would not be digging deep in this game for, for fantasy options. This is a super low over under these teams rank first and third in defensive DVOA over the past five weeks. So it's, it should be a low scoring game. Like it was in that first one. Yeah. I agree with not digging deep. I feel like Ramondre Stevenson's domination in target share is probably not a great thing for the offense. Cause they do have, you know, some talent at the pass catching spots, at least guys that are worth spreading targets around too, that they're not spreading it to, which is detrimental to Mac Jones's numbers at least. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like you said, there's nothing else really sneaky on the Patriots side. So the Jets side, we got 355 passing yards from Zach Wilson in the first meeting. You think he hits that again? <laughs> I'll take the under. What kind of odds do they give me? <laughs> yeah, I won't. <laughs> Garrett Wilson, Tyler Conklin, big ones in that game. I mean, those guys could be in play, especially Garrett Wilson, but it's, it's just not a game to get excited about anything. Yeah, I mean, if you look at fantasy points allowed, like tight end is the spot where the Patriots are weak. And it, it looks to me that the Jets targeted that area of their defense last time out because Tyler Conklin had 10 targets in that game, a 24% target share. He had the, the two touchdown game. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets try to attack with him again. So I do think Conklin's a, a decent option. Again, not excited about him because it's Tyler Conklin, it's the Jets offense, and it's, you know, it's probably going to be a low scoring game. I uh, picked him up before in advance of that game the last time and then i was just like busy on the computer and ran out of time to actually put him in the lineup so he sat there on the bench scoring a ton of points i know the feeling i don't i hate to even admit this but i forgot to uh change out my quarterback last week i had lamar jackson on a bye week i picked it's ffpc so i picked up andy dalton on sunday morning like the sunday morning waiver run did not get him in my starting lineup and i ended up losing by like eight points (laughs) that cost me a win i'm still uh still struggling through that one that's the kind of thing. Oh, uh, we've got a question from YouTube, and apparently my answer wasn't enough. So Justin Fields or Lamar Jackson starting a quarterback this week, Jared? Uh, Fields. We'll, we'll get to both of them. Lamar Jackson has not been good for fantasy lately. I agree. Uh, Corey Davis rounding out the Jets. No practice Wednesday with his knee injury. So you're not going to use him. On the Patriots side, I, I said we got away from him, but let's talk about Devontae Parker, who did return to limited practice, missed week nine, left the first meeting with the Jets early. I mean, we'll see if he can get back to being a factor on offense. I'm certainly not yeah. looking to play him his first time back out, and especially against a defense that has been playing well. If he does get out there, it could only, I think, it, it could help Jacoby Myers, who soaked up pretty much all the targets, mm-hmm. at least all the targets that didn't go to Stevenson in the first meeting, had 13 in that one. Yeah, Parker would draw a bunch of Sauce Gardner if, if he's out there. So that you know that would help Jacoby Myers, who you know spends about half his time in the slot, anyways. Um, yeah, Myers is the only wide receiver on the Patriots that should be in fantasy lineups. Yeah, Washington at Houston Commanders by three and a half over under forty and a half in this one. Terry McLaurin at least eight targets and five catches in each of the four games since Taylor Heineke stepped in for Carson Wentz, over a hundred yards in two of the four, including. On Monday night, wait, was Monday night one of the hundred yards? No, he didn't hit a hundred in that one, did he? Uh, okay. yeah, he did, right? Yeah, okay. he was he was well over a hundred. He had a big All one. Right. 
That's what I thought, but I was starting to doubt myself. I shouldn't have. Anyway, Houston's been a negative scoring matchup for quarterbacks and wide receivers, but yeah. we, we talked about it before. It's not the kind that makes you a bench a strong performer. If we look at last week, Darius Slayton hit 95 yards, scored a touchdown. He's one of six wideouts to go for 95 plus on Houston this year. So you're starting McLaurin pretty confidently. Yeah, Houston's only low in fantasy points allowed to wideouts because teams just run all over them. Um, and, and that's exactly what Washington did last week to beat Philly. And that's what they're going to do in this game, too. You know, it's going to be a lot of Brian Robinson, a lot of Antonio Gibson. I think both those guys are solid RB2s this week. And then in the passing game, to me, for me, it would really be just McLaurin because I don't think you're going to get big volume. Uh, like you said, McLaurin has been dominating targets since Heineke took over. He has a 30% target share in the past four games with Taylor Heineke. That's obviously her, Curtis Samuel, who's averaging just five carries over the four games with Taylor Heineke. So um, just, just McLaurin for me because I, I think it's going to be a low passing volume day for Washington. Yeah, three straight games of just four targets for Curtis Samuel. So I agree, not using him here. And Brian Robinson, you can use. He's inside the top 24 in our running back rankings, facing that league worst run defense, 26 carries against the Eagles last week, only 3.3 yards per rush. But if you're carrying 26 times, you're probably going to be okay. It was the second game he's had of 20 plus carries so far. And Antonio Gibson has still found some space, 14 plus opportunities in four straight games for him. Yeah, Gibson's actually slightly ahead of Robinson in expected fantasy points over the last two weeks when there's been no J.D. McKissick. And it looks like McKissick is going to miss this game again, um, which is good news for Gibson because, you know, that gives him a bit more work in the than the passing game. And he's he's getting, you know, like 40 percent. It's like a 60-40 split in terms of carries in favor of Robinson. So, again, in this game where you're going to get a bunch of carries from Washington, I think I think Gibson's, you know, going to give you double-digit carries with upside for like 15 or so. I agree. On the Houston side, obviously, we're only talking about Damian Pierce at this point. It's a terrible matchup for him. Only three running backs have scored rushing touchdowns against Washington this season. Only Derrick Henry has topped 76 yards in a game against them, and he ran for 3.6 per carry on the on the way to his 102. Running backs are averaging 4.2 yards per rush overall, though, and 8.1 yards per catch. So not a good matchup, but also not like a, there's no way he can do something in this game matchup. Yeah, Pierce continues to look awesome, um, and he's doing enough in the passing game. Like, it's not a huge role in the passing game. He's still losing snaps to uh, Rex Burkhead on passing downs. The Texans add, you know, Benjamin. I think Benj- I don't think Benjamin's a real threat to Damian Pierce, but I do think he could take Rex Burkhead's job um, by the end of the season. So, yeah, I mean, Pierce, not a bunch of upside in this matchup. As usual, he's kind of been a floor play all season, but you, you can't bench him because he's a very good bet for 20-plus touches. I agree. That was a funny um, release by the Cardinals yeah. of Eno Benjamin. Yeah, the story is that they told him last Saturday night that his role is going to be diminished. He got pissed, and then Monday he gets cut. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then you get demoted to Houston, so I guess it teaches yeah. him a lesson. Chicago at Atlanta, Falcons by three, over under a 49 and a half, which I don't know. It seems like we're getting away from ourselves a little bit, but yeah. I don't know. I guess we'll see. I, I got to think on that a little bit more. But for the specific players, Cole Komet, almost as soon as he emerges as somebody that we want to start, no practice Wednesday with a thigh injury. So we'll see if he's available for this game. Khalil Herbert landed on IR with the hip injury that knocked him out of the last game. So that obviously helps David Montgomery in an already plus matchup. I've been debating all week whether I want to hit the under on this game. Um, both defenses suck, which is the scary part. The reason I like the under, though, is because these are literally the two run-heaviest offenses in the NFL, and neither run defense is probably going to be to stop the other running game. So you could literally have, like, you know, 35 total passes in this game. Um, and, you know, runs keep the clock moving. So I, I do kind of like the under, but 
Um, we'll see if I actually bet it. Yeah, I mean, Montgomery's like a borderline RB1, at least in this matchup. Um, you know, if he gets 75% of the work Herbert's leaving behind, I mean, you know, I think I think Montgomery could get to, to 20 or so carries in this game. And again, it's, it's, a, it's a positive matchup for him. Yeah, and we've gotten top seven um, running back carries per game since the Justin Fields breakout, even with all the running he's doing. It's that run-heavy offense. It's supporting everybody. Certainly, there would be more touchdowns available to the running backs if Justin Fields weren't scoring so many, but he's not going to score all of them. So it's a it's a nice spot. It's a good time to have David Montgomery available. Obviously, Justin Fields is a must at this point. I mean, I I, I can't I don't know the scenario where you're not starting him, I guess, if you somehow have Josh Allen and Justin Fields. But he's starting. Dave Montgomery's starting. He's in the top 15 in our rankings. And Darnell Mooney, I think, is probably even a stronger option than I was realizing coming into this week. Yeah, um, if he's had the big target share all season, really. And as Chicago's passed a little more over the past five weeks, Mooney's averaged seven targets per game over the last five, 5.2 catches, 58 yards per game. He's 30th among wide receivers and expected fantasy points over that span. So he's getting like wide receiver three level usage. And, you know, we've been attacking this Atlanta secondary for a while now. They're dead last in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. So I do think it's a a good time to, to, you know, have uh, Mooney as a wide receiver three this week. And wide receiver 24 in PPR points over the past four games, which start with that New England game. The Falcons, the third highest team total of the week. The Falcons and 49ers, uh, they're ahead of the Eagles this week, which seems surprising for both of those teams. The Bills are down a little bit. I would imagine that that's hurt by the heavy snow in the forecast. We'll talk about that soon. But for the Falcons' favor here, Chicago's 30th against the pass and football outsiders DVOA, 26th against the run. So it's certainly a good matchup for scoring. The problem here is anybody getting the ball enough for you to count on them delivering you fantasy points. I might bet the under on Atlanta's team total. So I, I kind of like the under in this game. I, I kind of think the Bears are going to win outright. Um, so maybe I'll go under on Atlanta, just talking through that uh, on the podcast here. Yeah, it, it was a disappointing game for uh, CPAT last week. I, I wonder if the short week had something to do with that, the fact that his snapper had actually declined from his return in, in week nine to uh, week 10. But I do also believe that this is going to remain, you know, a three-man committee with Tyler Algier remaining involved, Caleb Hunt remaining involved. So I, I think Patterson's okay as a, you know, lower end RB2, but I don't think you're going to get, you know, workhorse usage out of him the rest of the way. I agree. For what it's worth, Atlanta is five and five in uh, over-unders on the year. Uh, just two overs among the past seven games, though. Chicago has gone over in four straight games in five of the past six. Yeah, the Bears are averaging like 30 points a game over the last four or five. So, <laughs> And that's That'll over end. 46 and over 48 and a half the last two times yeah. out. So it started with low numbers, but the numbers have gone up and they're still – Justin Fields is still like, nah, I can hit that. <laughs> that's right. Anything else from the Falcon side here? Kyle Pitts is the numbers are so sad. He's just getting a massive, massive target share. He he has a 41% catch rate over his last four games. I mean, I think that's going to climb, but watching the games makes me think it might not because a lot of these targets have they just have no chance of being caught. Yeah, and he wants to become a more complete tight end, right? That's a report he, out there. I hope he not. Wants to block more. I hope not. It's yeah. I I don't know. We could we could be done talking about Kyle Pitts for the year. I'd be okay with it. That's yeah, fine. <laughs> Cleveland at Buffalo bills by eight in this one over under of just 41 and a half. And like I said, heavy snow anticipated the lake front snow, lake effect snow. I heard them talking about record snowfalls for it. Honestly, haven't looked too deeply into it yet because we're still several days from the weekend, but it does sound like one of those weekends where the bills are like, Hey, 
come shovel snow for us. We'll give you free tickets to the game. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I don't usually start worrying about weather till like Saturday, but um, uh, it, it does it does seem like that there, this could be at risk of you know being impacted by weather. And like you said, I think the the Vegas line right now says that you know they expect weather to have an impact here. So so we'll see. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Bills by eight. It's like okay, Josh Allen's all right. He's back in the lineup. Uh, the Bills will be fine, but their total is down below those teams that I mentioned before. Josh Allen, objectively bad game against the Vikings last week, and yet he still finished fourth among fantasy QBs with one touchdown, threw for three-something, ran for 84. So he didn't look like full Josh Allen. You could tell that the elbow was a bit limited, but still got there fantasy-wise. Yeah, and still limited in Wednesday's practice. So, like, you know, they're still managing his reps, kind of, you know, a reminder that he's not 100% yet. Um, But like you said, still, still ran like he normally does. And the Bills also still went pass heavy. They were plus 8% pass rate over expected. So they didn't really change their game plan much, if at all, for Allen's injury. And you mentioned not really changing their game plan. Devin Singletary scored a couple of times <laughs> fairly early, and you're thinking, oh, maybe we are getting more Devin Singletary with Josh Allen hurting. Just 13 carries for the game, just 47 yards. 13-plus carries in three of his past four, 12-plus touches in four straight. That's an okay level, but it's not like, oh, I'm going to start – Devin Singletary happily level. Yeah, exactly. He's he's okay. Um, he's pretty consistently playing over 70% of the Bills snaps, but you know, we know that that doesn't translate to a whole ton of touches. They are at least playing against a Cleveland defense that's struggling against the run, so maybe that'll help. Maybe the snow helps Devin Singletary's mm-hmm. touches a little bit, but he's going to stop short of exciting. Gabe Davis, speaking of stopping short of exciting, nice game against the Vikings. That followed six straight games of three catches or fewer, though. He's wide receiver 26 in PPR points per game, which seems good for the season, but still 30% of his points came in that Pittsburgh game. You take that one out and he's tied for 40th at the position. Well, I have a positive spin on Gabe Davis. He had a 21% target share last week and he has a 21% target share in three games since the bye. If he can stay anywhere near there, like he'll be more consistent and he's still going to give you those, those spike weeks. So, you know, weather, weather pending, I do think um, Davis, you know, should, should stay in fantasy lineups. If not only, you know, for the upside he gives you, but again, I do think um, he might be more consistent over the rest of the season. If he can, continues getting that level of volume. Now we shall see Dawson Knox reach 50 yards for the first time this season against the Vikings, but uh, he hasn't yeah. done a whole lot otherwise. Yeah. Same story with Knox. Like the route rates are strong, but the target share just isn't like he just, you know, he just doesn't earn targets. If, if that's a thing. On the other side, David Njoku, no practice Wednesday still, so we're waiting to see when he's going to be back. We knew it was going to be a while, but it it should be getting close now, so I guess we'll keep an eye on him. Otherwise, like you're playing Nick Chubb regardless of the snow. Maybe the snow would be even better for him. Uh, You're still going to play Amari Cooper. Donovan Peoples-Jones, four-plus receptions in six straight games now and over 70 receiving yards in four straight, so the snow might get in his way, but he's been (laughs) on a roll lately, and we're going to be getting Deshaun Watson back soon. DPJ only has two fewer targets than Amari Cooper over the last six games. It's not a tiny sample size. Like it's, it's kind of one, a one B at this point, um, you know, tough matchup for both those guys. But, um, you know, I, I do think, um, people's Jones, you know, with four teams still on by, he's a decent wide receiver three play this week. Harrison Bryant. We talked him up on, uh, the TF DFS last Friday, he scored a touchdown early in that Dolphins game. I was happy about that, but his usage still wasn't great. Their route rate rebounded. Uh, but he still saw just three targets in the game and 9% target share. Bill is one of the toughest uh, defenses against tight ends. So Bryant's a guy, yeah, I think you could do better as a, as a spot starter this week. 
Mm-hmm. And I think once David Njoku comes back, he certainly could challenge that DPJ target share. But yeah. it's getting close to when Deshaun Watson's coming in, which should raise everybody's um, receiving performance. So it, it'll be a passing game to watch down the stretch here. I'm curious to see how much they throw when Deshaun Watson's in the lineup. Yeah, me too. Carolina at Baltimore Ravens by 13 over under 41 and a half. The Ravens carry the second highest team total of the week after the chiefs this week, Jared 27.25 implied team total. They scored 27 in each of their past two games, but they have not topped that number since week three. So I'm a little bit wary of betting on the Ravens scoring quite that many points, even against a generous defense from Carolina. Yeah, I think it's a bit high. I'm not, excited about the passing game in this spot i mean obviously mark andrews you're starting assuming he plays and he was limited in practice today so that kind of yeah it would have been nicer to see him full go coming off the bye but i think a limited practice puts him on track to play but i mean lamar jackson over his last what since week three he's averaging six yards per pass attempt and just one passing touchdown per game you know he's been missing mark andrews for a lot of that time he's been missing rashad bateman for a lot of that time but bateman's not coming back andrews coming back will help obviously but um I think Lamar is going to continue to struggle as a passer down the stretch. You're kind of just banking on the rushing production. Yeah. And I mean, really, he was only missing Mark Andrews for a little bit of that time. If you look at since the game where Rashad Bateman went down against Buffalo, Lamar Jackson's just QB 12 in points per game since that point. You know, you might say, oh, at least he's still been good. I mean, the rushing keeps him up there. If he didn't have quite as much rushing as he does, he would be a disaster for us. He Lamar Jackson has finished better than quarterback 10 zero times since week three. He did it in each of the first three weeks. Since then, he's gone quarterback 18, quarterback 15, quarterback 10, 23, 10, and 11. So he hasn't been killing you most of those weeks, but you know he, he really hasn't been giving you an advantage at the position. Yeah, and it, it is hurting you more when you factor in that you did draft him higher yep. than other quarterbacks who have been scoring in that range. So yep. uh, we'd like to see a little bit more coming out of the bye. Certainly Mark Andrews back will help. Um, if he's ready to play, we'll keep watching that one. Gus Edwards also practiced Wednesday um, on his way back from his hamstring injury. I would guess that he gets the lead share of the carries, not, you know, like not clear number one back level, not certainly short of workhorse, but if he is healthy by the weekend, I would bet that he gets more carries than Kenyon Drake. Yeah. So we have one healthy Gus Edwards game. This season, he played 36% of the snaps in that game. He got 16 of 32 RB carries. And then you had Kenny and Drake and Justice Hill splitting up the other half of the running back carries. You know, Edwards, obviously not a factor in the passing game. had just one target in that game. I, I, I think I'm with you. If the hamstring is okay, Edwards is the best bet for carries in this backfield. But I, I do think Drake might be close behind him just because, you know, Drake's been good this season when given opportunities. And you have Gus Edwards coming off the hamstring after coming off the ACL. So I think Baltimore would probably be wise to take it easy on him. Yeah. I think we'll have to watch his game designation. You know, if he heads into the weekend questionable, then you pull back a little bit, maybe watch and see what John Harbaugh says heading into the game. So we'll, we'll see where we're at heading into the weekend. Um, On the other side, Panthers team total two and a half points behind everyone else in the league. The Browns are next in that game at Buffalo. We've got Baker Mayfield back. And the last time he was out there, he did throw for 155 yards, two touchdowns and second half mop up duty at Cincinnati. So that's certainly good versus what he was giving us before. Of course, he managed to do that without bringing DJ Moore along with him. Yeah, that's that's the scary part here is DJ Moore because you're obviously not messing with Baker and fantasy Linus. But, you know, Moore was not only unproductive with Baker the first four 
you know, the first five games of the season, but you know, he was just 41st among receivers and expected fantasy points. So even the role wasn't nearly as good as it, what it was with PJ Walker over the past month or so. So I, I, I don't know. I think more is in the wide receiver three mix. Like if you're not stacked at wide receiver, you maybe have to stick with him, but I also don't think he's a, a must start in this first game with Mayfield back. Yeah. And you'll find him in the unders in my underdog pick article from Wednesday. So check that out and see not just for DJ Moore because I could, I could see not betting that one, but there are plenty of other players that you will want to bet on from that, especially once you check the record, if you haven't seen it, how we're doing on a weekly basis. Um, Deontay Foreman is certainly a guy that, Many people are going to be considering whether to start here. The Baltimore run D has been all over the place. So it's basically a neutral matchup. My bigger fear for Foreman is not so much how the defense will fare against him, but how this game goes for his offense, because he's had the three big games in this condensed amount of time. Two of those have come against Atlanta and the other one, they were already beating Tampa Bay by a lot. And he came in after Chuba Hubbard went down. So if you look at the numbers, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, Foreman's been awesome. I got to play him. But the one game in there where they weren't either playing a doormat or way ahead of their opponent, he was terrible yeah. against Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, you like that he remained the clear lead back last week with Chuba Hubbard back. I mean, uh, 68% of the snaps for Dante Foreman, 18% for Chuba Hubbard. They also mixed in Raheem Blackshire a little bit. And then Foreman got 31 of 42 RB carries, so 74% of the running back carries. They're obviously they're probably going to run about half that many carries against Baltimore this week. So yeah, maybe it's 15 or so carries for Dante Foreman. So, you know, he's a, he's an RB two. Um, and but the floor is low though, cause he's still not doing a whole lot in the passing game. And I, I don't think he's a good touchdown bet in this game that, you know, imply total will tell you he's not a good touchdown, but LA Rams at new Orleans saints by four and a half. I, I don't know. I it's <laughs> you look at that and I'm like, I don't want to bet on new Orleans. And you look at the other side, it's like, oh, I don't want to bet on the Rams yeah. either, but the one thing working for them, I don't, I don't even know if it's working for them. I, it's hard for me to say things positive about the Rams right now. I will say Matthew Stafford, for as rough as the season has been, he's probably still better than John Wolford. Oh, yeah, he, he is, um, I, I think. Um, but, I mean, no no Cooper – it's going to be a disaster with no Cooper Cup. So, Stafford this season has averaged 8.7 yards per pass attempt throwing to Cooper Cup, a really nice number. 5.8 yards per attempt throwing to everyone else. He has two total passing touchdowns to everyone else on the team. You know, Allen Robinson, I think, is washed. Van Jefferson is, you know, we'll we'll see. Tyler Higby has not looked good for a while now. It's 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 gonna be be rough. You know, and Cupley's behind a 30% target share, like 11 targets per game. So Robinson and Higby and Van Jefferson, they're gonna get more targets. Um, so that helps. But I just think this offense is gonna be so bad that I'm not sure it's gonna matter a whole lot. Yeah, I, I don't think there is a the guy with him out. I think Tyler Higby is the most interesting just because we've already seen the volume be there. He's inside the top 10 this week, despite a negative matchup for tight end scoring. And he's the closest that I would say to I'm interested. I'm not excited, but we certainly could get uh, we could get, you know, eight plus targets per game for Tyler Higby the yeah. rest of the way, which is would be a, an excellent number for a tight end. Yeah, now his route rate was still down last week, 63 percent. I would guess that's going to come back way up, you know, back into the eighties, maybe even nineties with um, Cooper cup out. Cause there's, you know, no one else to throw to right now. Um, we'll see that the concern with Higby this week is the matchup. The saints are just a tight end eliminating defense. They're first in the adjusted points allowed at the position and first in football outsiders, tight end coverage rankings. Um, so Higby will probably be higher than this, honestly, most weeks if he gets the, you know, kind of volume boost we're projecting, but the, the matchup is definitely a downgrade this week. 
And the backfield is not worth talking about at all, right? No, I mean, Henderson's led the way in snaps uh, three straight games now, but Akers is still involved. They got Kyron Williams in the mix in like a passing down role last week. And, and none of the guys are effective, so it's definitely an avoid if possible. It's been funny to me how Daryl Henderson has consistently led in passing snaps, but you would never know it by looking at his targets. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a mess. It's like he's begrudgingly out there on passing downs. <laughs> Saints are sticking with Andy Dalton. Speaking of begrudgingly, it sounds like from the way, and obviously we're getting it like, I don't know, third hand or whatever. It sounds like if Jameis Winston were fully healthy, we Mm. might've gotten Jameis Winston back this week. We'll see though, whether another, if Andy Dalton has another game, like he did the past couple of weeks, uh, that might just, they might be like, all right, whatever Jameis, you know, drop the crutches. You're starting this week. (laughs) It's whatever's going on. It's dragging everybody in the offense down. Yeah, Dennis Allen said, you know, Jameis still isn't 100% healthy, but then he said he might not be for the rest of the season. So I don't know what to make of that. Winston's also been healthy enough to, to be active as the backup for the past couple of weeks. So it's a weird situation. Dalton's been bad. Um, the Saints have a bunch of O-line injuries. They were missing a couple of starters last week. It looks like they're going to be missing the same couple of starters in this game. Um, and, that you know, that's, that's hurt Alvin Kamara especially because Kamara's still – He's still posting like massive snap shares and, and route rates and carry shares and th- all, all the like, you know, peripheral stuff has been there. But the offense has just been so bad that it hasn't led to fantasy points for Kamara. And I mean, Chris Olave has been fine overall in PPR as well, but he hasn't scored a touchdown in four weeks. So, you know, you're still probably starting him in most cases, but it would be nice if there is some better quarterback play. Even Olave last week, he was down to an 18% target share with Jarvis Landry back in the mix. Landry actually out targeted Olave. I would bet on Olave being the target leader going forward. But, you know, the days of him getting 28 to 30% of the Saints targets might be over as long as Landry's out there. Yeah, as you mentioned, Jarvis Landry back to full playing time last week. Six targets, caught three for a whopping 37 yards, so back in full effect. Taysom Hill, we got another garbage outing from that's two straight now. So, I mean, we'll see if something changes. Yeah. You would think that with the way things are going for that offense right now, they would at least do something with them but two straight games makes it difficult to use him in lineups yeah i was digging into hill yesterday when i was doing my usage article just try to figure out what's going on he's running more pass routes lately he's hit double digit pass routes in four straight games yeah he didn't top eight routes in any of his first five games that's that's bad like we we don't want taste Hill running pass routes we want him getting carries so yeah we'll, we'll see if that changes why would they even want him running pass routes? And why would you suddenly decide that in week nine? I mean, it's like, I don't, how, how does a game like theirs against Seattle happen? And then you just yeah, don't give him at yeah. least five or six carries every single week. You, you just, you just have to come to peace with the fact that coaches are stupid <laughs> and guess. adjust accordingly. I guess. <laughs> All right. Nothing else in that game, right? No, no David Johnson breakout coming. <laughs> God, I hope not. Philadelphia at Indy Eagles by six and a half over under 44 AJ Brown hurt an ankle in that Monday nighter against Washington. I'm sure that it it impacted his performance the rest of that game. He says he expects it to be fine. I think the fact that he returned to that game points to it likely being fine. And even though like anytime AJ Brown has two mediocre to poor games in a row, people are like, wait a second, is he not their lead receiver anymore? He scored in three straight games before Monday night. So I would not say that I'm worried about AJ Brown. Yeah, as long as the ankle isn't an issue, Brown will be fine. Especially, but you know, we gotta we gotta talk about Dallas Goddard. I really don't want to, but um, we do. You know, he he he's seen a twenty percent target share so far this season. So 
And, and the Eagles have guys at tight ends, but they don't – guys at tight end, but they don't have anyone who is, you know, going to replace Dallas Goddard. So I think you're going to get more targets to A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, so that helps. Um, you don't think Tyree Jackson's about to have his breakout? <laughs> he, he's, he's, the one I, he's the one I'd grab if you if you want because he's a freak athlete. He flashed a little in last year's season finale right before tearing his ACL. He's been out ever since, but he, he was activated from Pop. He's, he's going to play. They also have Grant Calcaterra and Jack Stoll, but I wouldn't bet on any of those guys becoming fantasy factors. But the, the Goddard loss is, I think, really big for this offense and for and for Jalen Hurts. Um, Dallas Goddard's beating A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith in yards per target, which is you know, pretty rare for a tight end to be beating two you know good wide receivers in yards per target. Um, Goddard's accounted for 24% of Jalen Hurts' passing yards, 21% of his passing touchdowns. So, I mean, you're, you're not, you're not benching Hurts. So there's not a ton of fantasy impact here, but I, I, I do think it hurts his, his passing ceiling going forward and, and Goddard landed on IR. So he's out for at least the next four games. Yeah. And maybe beyond that. So, yeah, we'll see about that. Quez Watkins, there's room for him to become something. I don't think that he's going to become a fantasy starter, but he's got 12 catches through nine games so far. But, you know, he's somebody who who might get a little bit more work. Devontae Smith has five plus catches in four of the past five games. So the target share will probably lean his way a little bit more with Dallas Goddard out. I think ultimately we're going to see this mostly absorbed by those two wideouts. And as you kind of alluded to there i wouldn't be surprised if this offense goes even a bit more run leaning than it has been yeah smith especially might be the beneficiary the biggest beneficiary of goddard's absence because smith's has the low a dot he's been running most of those shorter routes and that's you know where goddard operates so smith might get the biggest target share boost because obviously what you want to do with that spindly guy is give it to him short and have him run through some tackle (laughs) he's slippery Miles Sanders, bad matchup here against the Colts. Indy's number two in run defensive DVOA over the past four weeks. He had a rough outing against Washington, one of those predictably bad ones. I think he's somebody that I wouldn't mind starting Deontay Foreman over, although it's kind of similar territory because Sanders is in a much better offense. Yeah, I'd lean Sanders just for the touchdown upside. But yeah, I think their their volume projections are, are pretty similar. The Eagles problem, by the way, on, on Monday night, if you watch the game, you, you could tell. But they only ran 47 offensive plays because they just couldn't couldn't get the ball from Washington. Their problem was everything. They couldn't stop the yeah. run. They were turning the ball over. It was like it was a terrible game. They were, it looked like they were trying to lose. Uh, we can transition to the Colts side now because the Eagles' run defense has become a problem. Um, they're 31st in football outsiders' run defense DVOA over the past five weeks, and now they have Jonathan Taylor coming off a, off a big game. So you know they 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 better figure that out, or else you know Taylor could could make this a ball game yeah uh, yep i agree uh michael Pittman is also 12th in our wide receiver rankings this week so we like matt ryan back for him and we especially like matt ryan's return for paris campbell who has nine plus targets and seven plus catches in three straight games where matt ryan was the starting qb yeah it's a tough matchup for both these guys it's better for campbell though you know the slot is kind of the place to attack this eagles secondary avante maddox is he hurt again i think he was back for a game or two then got hurt again yeah, he was out Monday night. I'm not sure about this week yeah. yet. Yeah, but I, regardless, that's the weak spot, the weakest spot, I think, in this Philly pass defense. So I think it's going to be another busy game for Paris Campbell. Michael Pittman has 16, 9, and 9 targets in his last three games with, with Matt Ryan. So I mean, Ryan's just been good for the passing game in general. Although I, I will point out that, you know, last, when we last saw Matt Ryan under Frank Reich, the Colts were super pass-heavy. They were still negative 6% in pass rate over expected last week in Jeff Saturday's coaching debut, which, you know, Jeff Saturday, former O-lineman, he's probably going to want to lean on the run. So I don't think you're going to get, you know, big pass volume. 
from the Colts going forward. But, you know, Matt, Matt Ryan is, is more efficient for the passing game than Sam Ellinger was. We'll also see what happens when they're trailing once again, which is obviously bound to happen at some point and certainly could yeah. happen this week. The team that lost to Jeff Saturday's Colts, the Raiders head to Denver this week. Broncos by three in this one over under 41 and a half on the Broncos side. No practice for Jerry Judy on Wednesday. Who hurt, hurt an ankle last week. Kendall Hinton also didn't practice Wednesday and KJ Hamler is already expected to miss a few weeks. So we're going to have to see this week exactly who besides Cortland Sutton is playing wide receiver for the Broncos this week. It's such a good matchup for the passing game. Um, Vegas is dead last in football outsiders pass defense DVOA, both for the entire season and over the last five weeks. They're also dead last in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. They're 25th in adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. So I, Sutton, I think you're starting either way, whether Judy is in or out. Um, Wilson's the guy that, like, I wish he'd played a little better last week. Um, he, he did not. You know, he had, he had the one long touchdown pass and blown coverage that kind of boosted his box score. But um, he actually had his second worst PFF passing grade of the season last week. It was 26th among 28 quarterbacks last week ahead of only John Walford and PJ Walker. So like the matchups there for Russ, but I can't, I can't fully trust him. Like he, he sits, he sits in the top 12 in our quarterback rankings this week. Um, Cause there's only like six guys you feel good about. Um, but that's totally matchup based. It's nothing from what, you know, based on what we saw from Wilson last week. It's almost amazing, really. I mean, even like if he were having a garbage season, but there were just two Russ games mixed in and be like, all right, they got to figure some things out. But there is literally nothing to latch on to. He did. They faced the Raiders before and he had his best passer rating of the season in that one. But just 237 yards, two touchdowns, only through 25 passes. They lost that game by nine. So like even in his quote unquote best game, it's like they didn't trust him to get him where they needed to go. I, it's it's amazing how bad the season is for him in Denver. I, I, I think he's just done. I mean, he's 34 years old. You know, quarterbacks crap out at some point. I think it's happened to us. I guess we'll see once I get to that age. I don't know what that feels like. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I would guess that they have to pass more in this one than they did in the first one, 25 passes. They haven't done that in any other game. He's averaging 35 pass attempts per game outside of that one. So that should be good for the fantasy production. But, you know, like you said, it's not anybody that you're excited about. The backfield also sucks. And now we've just got more guys that aren't that good. Yeah. I mean, Melvin Gordon pretty easily led the way in, in both snaps and routes last week and he did see six targets. So that's encouraging, but he, he was out carried nine to seven by Latavius Murray. Um, you also had Chase Edmonds get in the mix with, with two carries and two targets. So it's a three man committee. Gordon is the best fantasy option, I think because of the combination of, of rushing and, and target volume and the matchup's good. So he's, he's okay. Um, but you know, don't expect big volume out of him. I will be curious to see if Chase Edmonds gets worked in anymore. It's obviously I I haven't read. Maybe uh, Nathaniel Hackett said it, but I don't know if Chase Edmonds was somebody that they wanted to acquire or if it was like, <laughs> um, yeah, you guys have to take Chase Edmonds in this contract yeah. that we made a mistake on. I'd I'd bet on the latter based on how he's played, um, you know, all all season with Miami. Then you know he wasn't great last week in his Broncos debut. I agree. Greg Dulcich, I'll go back to. We'll end the Denver side with a positive. He was disappointing yep. on the target front, caught one ball last week, but ran a route on 82% of Russell Wilson's dropbacks. Yep. We can't be too picky at tight end if we're getting in, you know, 80 something percent route rate. That's got, that guy's going to be a tight end one. All right. 
On the Vegas side, negative rushing matchup, but Josh Jacobs went for 175 total yards in the first meeting. It's a negative passing matchup, but Devontae Adams went for 101 on nine catches, even while Derek Carr only threw for 188 yards. So, I mean, you know, we're starting Josh Jacobs, we're starting Devontae Adams, and then we're forgetting that any other Raiders exist. Yeah, 37% target share for Adams last week in the first game of the year without both Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. He, he could He could live in the 30s. For the rest of the season, or at least for the next three games with those guys out, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, the, the Broncos run D is another one where they're really good in fantasy points allowed, but they're not good if you look at um, run defense DVOA. And they're allowing 4.5 yards per carry through running backs over the last five weeks. And actually, the first Denver meeting was what started that Jacobs hot streak. He had 28 carries for 144 yards and two touchdowns in that game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're starting Josh Jacobs. I don't think it's as tough a matchup as the fantasy points allowed numbers would tell you. Yes, I certainly agree with that. And obviously the defense is not going to be any stronger without Bradley Chubb around um, versus that first meeting. Derek Carr has been one of my favorite under bets so far. Yes. You can certainly find him in that underdog pickums article. That's a free read on draftstrikes.com right now and for the rest of the week, by the way. And I recommend jumping in early, especially on the quarterbacks, because their lines have lots of room to move and their lines do move a lot. So check out that article now. You can click the link in there to get your first deposit matched if you haven't played Pick'ems before. And the cool thing about Pick'ems, I think, is you can just do as many or as few as you want, and you're just playing against the line. You don't have to worry about building a lineup that's different from everybody else that you're competing against. You know, pick however many players you want, see how you do. Um, it, it's been fun for me this season, Jared. It's, it's, it's fun to win money. <laughs> Especially when it's on football. Um, yeah, Car Car Car's been bad in this. Josh McDaniel's offense and the Raiders have been leaning run. So it's you know good spot to bet the under. Did, did you mention uh Foster Moreau as a option? No, I always leave Foster yeah. Moreau for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's been his route rates the last three weeks without Waller 95, 88, and 93 percent. Those are elite numbers. Um he has That's a 16 percent. Yes, he has a 16 percent target share in those games. Um Denver's kind of a neutral matchup for tight ends based on adjusted points allowed for to uh tight end so again just getting that type of usage out of a tight end now with all these injuries we've had at the position um you, you could feel pretty decent i think if foster moreau's your guy this week yeah i'm just checking in on justin simmons injury status the safety for the broncos he's he was still out coming out of the bye with the knee injury i haven't seen yet if he practiced wednesday let me check him limited wednesday so we'll see he might be back but i don't i don't think that that takes foster moreau out yeah. of consideration just helps kind of the pass defense um overall Dallas at Minnesota Cowboys by one and a half still on the road over under 47 and a half. This has the third highest game total of the week. And I think that's not really surprising after chargers chiefs. Maybe the biggest surprise is not that it's the third, but that it trails Falcons bears um, this week. It's a good spot though, for the key Dallas guys. Uh, and I, I don't even think yeah. that we have to talk too much about them other than whether Zeke Elliott comes back to challenge Tony Pollard. Am I the Cowboys favored by a point and a half here? The Vikings can't get any respect. They're eight and one. They're road underdogs. I mean, I I think Dallas is probably a better team, but I I'd, I'd make Minnesota a slight favorite at home. But um, yeah, Zeke was limited again on Wednesday. He was limited all last week before missing that game, so it doesn't really tell us a whole lot. Um, I, I would still prefer Pollard as the fantasy play, even if Zeke comes back this week, because as we mentioned last week, I do think they're probably going to limit him at least a bit in his first game back. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Um, would you bet Minnesota here getting the point and a half? I might at that point. I probably just take them, take a money line, mm -hmm. and hope they don't lose by a point. Um, but I, I, I might, I might. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that I feel comfortable going either way on that, but we'll see as we get a little closer. The Dallas pass defense was awful at Green Bay last week, but it's the first time that it's been awful all season. It's the first game in positive territory for football outsiders DVOA, and that's the way the rating system works. The farther into negative you are, the better performing defense you are. The yeah. further into positive numbers you are, the worse your defense is. It's just the second game that they've been outside of double-digit negative ratings. So overall, the Dallas defense has been a lot more good than it's been bad. The biggest difference, I was trying to look, because I don't I don't think a whole lot has changed. I think the biggest difference the past two weeks is that we've gotten two straight rough pass rushing outings from Micah Parsons. We've gotten hit two of his three worst pass rushing grades from PFF for the year. We've gotten fewer pass rushes from him the past two weeks. I wonder if that has been... Uh, Justin Fields effect, some Aaron Jones effect, maybe just the two offenses running the ball more. I don't know that Minnesota presents that same kind of challenge for the Dallas defense. Obviously, they could lean on Dalvin Cook. I'm just not sure that we're going to get the same kind of approach that we got from Chicago or Green Bay. Parsons has been on the injury report with the shoulder. Um, he was he was full go all last week, so I don't, I don't know if that's had an impact. I, I I still don't like the matchup for Cousins, who still has not been. He he didn't play well in that game against Buffalo. Justin Jefferson made a couple of ridiculous catches. Cousins threw it like fifty times to put up big numbers, but he was twenty first among quarterbacks in PFF passing grade last week. So he, I just don't think he's played well this season. If he's had a nice fantasy game, it's just because you know Justin Jefferson has kind of carried him to it. So I don't love Cousins as a spot starter this week. Um, Jefferson on the injury report with a toe today um limited in practice i don't think it's an issue but that's definitely worth watching the rest uh of the week and then tj hawkinson has like all already become a top five fantasy tight end in minnesota just getting awesome usage 22 percent target share in his vikings debut 20 percent target share last week the route rates have been you know in the in the mid 80s um so he, yeah he, he's a he's a locked in starter and someone who you know probably is going to give you an advantage at tight end over you know every team besides the you know andrews and, and kelsey owners in your league it's like the vikings were like all right detroit if you're not going to use him properly just give him here we got a spot for him 19 targets yeah. 16 catches in two games since the trade yep the dallas run d we we you know talked about the dallas defense overall the run d is rated well by dvoa even in recent weeks, but that doesn't seem to align with what they've been giving up to running backs. Packers running backs combined for 200 yards on the ground last week. Khalil Herbert, David Montgomery combined for 152 on the ground before that. So Dalvin Cook's over in total yards is another one that I've already taken in Pickums. Yeah, and Cook continued to dominate this backfield last week. 84% of the snaps, 73% of the pass routes. He's had 19 plus opportunities, you know, carries plus targets in three straight games and five of his last six games. I mean, he's getting workhorse usage. I, I I like him a lot this week. Um, anything else you feel like we should hit in that game? Uh, Dalton Schultz on the other side just says that you know I know a lot of teams are struggling at tight end, so may, maybe someone you could still acquire. Yeah, I guess it probably have to be if the Schultz owner has another you know, solid tight end alongside him. But um, Schultz has a 20% target share over his last three games, 6.7 targets per game over that span. It just seems like he's healthy for the first time since very early in the season. So he's kind of he's kind of getting now the volume that you drafted him to get, you know, back in August. 
Yeah, five plus catches in three straight games. He was kind of in that group of, yeah, he's good. It's a good spot. Go ahead and use Dalton Schultz. But I agree. If you're if you have an opportunity to get him, the, maybe the fact that he didn't score a touchdown until last week and has just one off season, maybe that helps with his perceived value. So I, I certainly agree that he can be an answer for you at tight end going forward. Yep. Cincinnati at Pittsburgh, Bengals by four. Over under 41, the team hopes that Jamar Chase will be back for week 12. So that says he's not going to be back for week 11. Bengals offense, if you look at the past couple of games, it's like, uh, eh, pass offense hasn't really been great. You would expect it to not be at the same level with Jamar Chase. But mm-hmm. by the ratings, and this is why we look at ratings and advanced metrics, three terrific games for the offense among the past four. They had an awful one against the Browns, but otherwise they've been very good. And the pass offense even was better than probably the numbers would tell you against the Panthers just because Joe Mixon stole all the touchdowns in that game. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that that's why I think, you know, someone like T Higgins, someone like Tyler Boyd, somebody could maybe still go out and trade for because Jamar Chase, by the way, still on crutches as of Monday. I mean, I don't know exactly what that means, but that doesn't sound like a guy who is even going to be ready in week 12. I mean, at this point, I'd kind of bet on week 13 being the earliest we see him. I, I mean, I don't, again, I don't have any inside info or whatever, but, um, being on crutches seems bad for an NFL player. Yeah, I mean, I still think T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd are, are strong starts in a passing game, I believe in. A passing game, that an offense that stayed pass-heavy, or at least pass-leaning, even without Jamar Chase the past couple of weeks. Um, and the Steelers are 29th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. So it's a, definitely a good spot for Higgins and Boyd. I need a good T Higgins game here. Cause he's outside the top 40 at wide receiver and expected points per game. And I, I want to believe, but it it's, it's getting a little bit tougher to do so. Just had those freaking injuries, man, it, which is a story of Higgins career kind of, but um, I, I still think he's awesome when healthy. Yeah. I'm, I'm willing to go with it. That should do it for the the Cincinnati side. I mean, Hayden Hurst is in the mix, but he's not an exciting option, right? Yeah, I mean, decent target bet. His role hasn't really grown the past couple of weeks without Jamar Chase, just a 14% target share. And the Steelers are pretty tough against tight end, so I don't love Hurst this week. Mm-hmm. And they might get Minka Fitzpatrick back after he had appendicitis last week, which only makes the middle of the field tougher. On the Pittsburgh side, Najee Harris had a good game last week, especially versus <laughs> what he's done the rest of the season. Came away from it with some knee discomfort. Mike Tomlin says he doesn't expect it to affect Harris's status for this coming game. Every time I look at a team that I have Jalen Warren on, I'm like, maybe I should just drop him for it. Like, there's somebody else I want to get. I want a, a second quarterback this week. I maybe want to stash a defense for the week after this one. I, I'm I'm trying to hold on to Jalen Warren though, just in case you know these nagging little injuries for Najee Harris knock him out at some point. Yeah, Harris, by the way, was a full participant in Wednesday's practice, so the the knee is, doesn't seem like anything to worry about. T- to me, you stash Warren because stashing handcuff running backs is kind of the way to go. Like that's how I want to use most of my bench spots. I still think Warren is pretty much just a handcuff. We we did see his, see his role grow a little bit. Last week, it was Warren's second highest snap rate of the season at 43%. It was Harris's third lowest snap rate of the season behind only week one when he was injured and then week five, which was that blowout loss to the Bills. So they did, they did, you know, shift a bit towards Warren. Harris had like his best game of the season. So, you know, maybe healthier coming out of the bye, maybe some motivation, extra motivation with the Warren talk. I don't know. I mean, Harris is still the the guy to use in fantasy lineups here. Not exciting. And again, I think Warren's still pretty much just a handcuff. You'd, you'd have to be in, in rough shape to, to use him. 
Yeah, I would I would say solely handcuff. I mean, he's like JD McKissick at the moment, and that we've got one game of JD McKissick stuff for a team that doesn't even want to give him that many targets, and it's Brian Robinson. Najee Harris is playing a very good Brian Robinson right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, nine carries and three targets for Warren last week. I mean, can't do a whole lot with that, but it's it's not nothing. Well, we'll give him Antonio Gibson, maybe not not even JD McKissick. <laughs> Uh, Kenny Pickett, uh, under 200 yeah. passing yards in three of the past four games now. He's got two total touchdown passes through his five starts. The Bengals' pass D has been down lately versus where it was the first five games. They've lost some guys mm-hmm. to injuries along the way. I just I don't think Kenny Pickett is capable right now of capitalizing yeah. there, and I don't think it's become a good enough matchup that we should expect anything of note. Obviously, you're not generally using Pickett unless it's a 2QB, super flex kind of format, but – He's limiting the ceiling for George Pickens and Deontay Johnson. Yeah, for sure. Um, Cincinnati's actually 25th in pass defense DVOA over the past five weeks. And so they're really struggling. They're, they lost Chidubi, Owozie, their top corner. So um, the matchup's good, but yeah, like you said, Pickett, I was hoping for kind of a step forward coming out of the bye week. We really didn't get it last week. Um, he was 17th among quarterbacks in PFF passing grade. He, he is running more lately, so if you like, have to use Pickett, that's the argument in his favor. Um, he has seven and eight carries the last two games, uh, 51 yards and a score last week. But, yeah, it's definitely hurting the upside on Deontay Johnson and, and George Pickens. I mean, both those guys, I, I still believe in the talent, and they're still every down players, and I do think the target share should still be solid enough where you can stick with them. But um, to me, Pat Fryermuth is, like, the biggest relative value in this passing game going forward. He saw 23% target share last week coming out of the bye. He has a 22% target share in his seven healthy games this season, 7.6 targets per game in those seven healthy games for Pat Frymuth. Only Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews have more targets per game this season. So the volume has, has definitely been there for Fryer. Yeah. Thank good. I have him on one particular team where Dallas Goddard went down. So I, I like Pat Frymuth going forward as well. Anything else from this game? Nope. Kansas city at the chargers on Sunday night. Chiefs by six and a half here over under 50. No practice for Marquez Valdez Scantling Wednesday, but it's an illness. So we'll watch him. No practice for McCall Hardman on Wednesday. We'll watch him. He missed last week's game. Of course, Juju Smith Schuster got knocked out of that game with a concussion. And Jared, what does that leave at wide receiver for the chiefs here? Oh, that, that uh, Tony guy that we've talked a little, I mean, what a freaking run off for Kadarius Tony. Like it really, he gets traded to Kansas city and then they have all these wide receiver injuries. Like, Really couldn't have gone any better for him. He uh, So he ran around with just 9% of the pass plays in his Chiefs debut. That was up to 41% last week. I, I think that's set the jump anyways, and it's going to have to jump a lot if the Chiefs are missing. I mean, MVS, I'm assuming, is going to play with the illness, but Juju is probably worse than 50-50. That was Smith-Schuster's fourth documented concussion. So, you know, that – makes it less likely I think he's cleared for this game. And then I, I don't know what's going on with McCole Harbin. So, you know, we'll, we'll see by Friday afternoon exactly what this picture looks like. But um, even if just one of those guys is out, you know, if either Juju or Hardman's out, I think Tony is, is someone you can stick in lineups. Yeah, we'll we'll see where things are at. I Kadarius Tony is still, for me, somebody that I would sell. Um, I think he's getting – he obviously makes sense as somebody that you pick up off of waivers – and we'll see how much sense he makes for a starter this week. But he still finished way behind MVS and Justin Watson in routes last week. He was closer to Noah Gray and Sky Moore, who were behind him, than he was to Justin Watson. So, you know, we'll see about how much he gains in his third game with the team. Maybe he passes somebody. I think that if McCole Hardman comes back, I'm betting on McCole Hardman over Kadarius Tony. Really, though, just like 
looking at Tony overall, it seems like it, it's funny to me that a guy that none of us liked coming out of college, he had a crappy mm-hmm. college profile. Everybody hated him. Um, and then he had the one magical game at Dallas. And then after the season, we all saw the yards per route run. And now it's like everybody thinks that he's just a can of talent waiting for somebody to use the opener. He's still got so much more saying that it, you should bet against him than bet on him, though, to me. I don't know. You got you got you got to watch the games. He looks unbelievable. He, he really looks he, he looked awesome last week. He did. He made a couple awesome plays, a contested catch, a nice run after the catch. Um, and the thing too, I mean, the route rates have been low. Tony's been targeted on seven of his 25 routes for the Chiefs so far, 28 percent of the time. So like they're looking to get him the ball when he's out there. So if he does get up to like 60 or 70 percent of the routes, even, you know, that could mean, you know, six to eight targets in this office. I don't know. To me, I, I think he's good. Like I was down on him as a prospect because I rely on the numbers maybe too much that the tape was impressive. Like he made some awesome plays at Florida. And to me, the tape has remained impressive in the NFL and it's, it's just a talented player in the chiefs offense with Patrick Mahomes. I think there's a lot of upside here. Yeah. There, I mean, there's upside. It's worth keeping him around. I'm still looking to sell him because I just don't think that the target share is going to be there. The route share is going to be there this year. I think at best he's looking at, third maybe uh, in targets uh, on this team. And obviously in Kansas city, it's a better spot to be than some other teams. I just think that there's, there are people who are going to pay more than I think he's worth, which makes me interested in moving him. And certainly, I mean, I don't know. I I guess I shouldn't go too far down the dynasty path right now. We'll Mm -hmm. see what he does over the next week or two with the chiefs. I'd have to get wide receiver two level value from him to trade Tony right now. Which, which I, you might be able to. I saw somebody say that they traded away um, Ramondre Stevenson to get Kadarius Tony. So that to me is like, yep. oh, well, let me go see what I can get for Kadarius Tony right now. Yeah, there are certainly instances where it would make sense to trade him right now. But just in, in general, I want to hang on to the guy because I, like, uh, I like fun fantasy players. Clyde Edwards D'Elair, speaking of fun fantasy players, I don't think he exists anymore. He almost doesn't. Um, he played 6% of the Chiefs' offensive snaps. Last week, just unbelievable from where we were at the start of the season to where we are now, where you know he's he's a handcuff at best. He almost has more names than snaps at this point. <laughs> yeah, you're right. This is a good matchup for Isaiah Pacheco coming this week. Just don't overrate him. We don't know yet what his goal line role is going to look like. He did have four mm-hmm. carries inside the 10-yard line in the first four games this season. At least one of those was the Chiefs being way ahead in week one. There might have been a couple of blowouts mixed in there that helped his touch count there. None in that area since then. I mean, this past game, he had the team's only running back carry inside the red zone. It was from like the 16-yard line, and then they didn't have Mm -hmm. any other run plays inside the red zone. So I'm not saying he doesn't have that role. I'm just saying we don't know yet, and we know that the Chiefs like to get creative, sometimes a little bit too creative for their own good near the goal line. Yeah, I mean, I'm – I'm definitely still in wait and see mode with Pacheco and what his role is going to be the rest of the day. But like, there is pretty exciting upside here. Um, he had 16 of the 17 running back carries last week. He wasn't targeted, but he ran her out on 37% of the pass plays. That's not like a great number, but that's a number where if it continues, like you're probably going to get one, two, three targets out of him per game. And then, you know, and I, you know, this, this matchup's awesome for him. The chargers have been the worst run defense in the NFL, according to, uh, football outsiders DVOA over the past five weeks, they're allowing 5.3 yards per carry to running backs. Um, so it's, it's a good spot for him. I 
I wouldn't feel horrible if you need to use Pacheco this week. Yeah, I agree. Just don't elevate him too high in your rankings and put him over somebody yep. who has been delivering for you. Um, and Jarek McKinnon is the pass catching back. I don't don't know how much that's worth this week specifically. I don't know how much it's worth in general. He's not getting a ton, but he did get decent target shares each of the past two games. Yeah, eight targets in each of the past two games. I wouldn't expect that number to remain, but um, yeah, I mean he he especially in PPR leagues, like he could be someone who who's decent, especially as we get through the rest of the bye weeks. On the Chargers side, the big question is, are we going to get Mike Williams or Keenan Allen back or both this week? They're both limited in practice Wednesday, which is certainly a step up. And uh, Gerald Everett also limited along with them. Yeah, tough to talk about the Chargers right now without knowing about these injuries. Um, Mike Williams is, I think, four weeks removed now from the high ankle sprain, which is you know, kind of the earliest we see guys come back from that injury. Keenan Allen, obviously. I, I would try not to use Keenan Allen this week, even if he does come back. We saw him try to come back. Uh, a few weeks ago and, and, it, and it didn't go well, but I mean, J- Justin Herbert's the guy where like you feel better about him. If he gets those guys back, um, you know, M- Mike Williams in particular, we know that Keenan Allen said he's not going to play again until his hamstrings. Right. So with that in mind, would you play Keenan Allen or Kadarius Tony this week? Oh, Tony. <laughs> Josh Palmer will be an option if either of these guys is still out. Certainly if both of them are still out, we'll see who the chargers have heading into the weekend. I agree that Justin Herbert needs these guys. It's clearly been hurting his numbers Monday night. We got San Francisco. We got Arizona in Mexico city. We got the 49ers by eight over under 43 and a half. ESPN's Jeremy Fowler says that the Cardinals might give Kyler Murray another week or so for his hamstring to heal. I couldn't tell from the way he wrote it if it was him saying that that was what he heard or if yeah. it's him guessing based on the situation, either way, it's certainly not a lock that Kyler Murray is back this week. And there, there are uh, members of the Cardinals media calling for Murray to just be straight out benched in favor of Colt McCoy, which I think is crazy. Um, we'll see. And you know, we'll see where that goes. And hopefully we have a good idea of Kyler's status by, you know, Saturday for this Monday night game, but it's a, Tough matchup, obviously, forever's under center. The fact that Arizona's only implied for 17.75 points right now makes me think Vegas is actually thinking it's going to be Colt McCoy under center. Mm-hmm. Colt McCoy is also day-to-day with a knee issue, so we'll see exactly what the quarterback situation looks like going forward. Zach Ertz definitely out for the rest of the season with his own injury. Trey McBride, though, played 91% of the snaps against the Rams last week. Yeah, I kind of thought I was going to be higher than most people on him, but I've, I've heard a lot of other fantasy analysts, you know, basically say they think McBride's going to step right into the the role Zach Ertz was playing. I'm just not sure that's going to be the case. I mean, the playing time might be there. I'm not sure he's going to draw the same type of target share that Ertz was drawing. I I thought McBride was a good prospect, but not a great prospect. You know, he's not a big time athlete. He's not, he's not a big guy in general. Um, I think he's just, okay. So like, you know, He's worth adding. Obviously, he's available in most FFPC leagues, so he should definitely be added in that type of format. And he can be stashed if you're in need of tight end help. But I, I would definitely try not to use him this week because, one, we don't know what the role is, and, two, the Niners are a really tough tight end defense. They're fifth in adjusted points allowed to the position. And, three, we might get Marquise Brown back for this game as well, which that would too. only further challenge the target share. He was designated to return from IR, so not guaranteed to return yet. But Cliff Kingsbury said there's a chance that Marquise Brown will play Monday I wouldn't be using Marquise Brown in his first game back. I'd like to see how things work, you know, not only because he's coming off the foot injury and who knows exactly how close he is to full strength, but we haven't seen him with DeAndre Hopkins yet. So, I mean, he could come out fully healthy, play the usual snaps and get three targets. 
Yeah, I'm with you there. I try not to use Brown coming off the foot. Um, and then his return would obviously impact Rondell Moore, too. I mean, Moore's seen awesome volume, 9.8 targets in his five games as the primary slot receiver. But, you know, of course, none of that's come with Hopkins and Marquise Brown. So we'll have to see what happens to the target share when all three of those guys are healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll see about lots of things. James Conner is one thing we don't have to worry about, mm-hmm. especially now that Eno Benjamin talked his way out of town. But James Conner got the volume, scored twice. He shed Eno Benjamin. It's a negative matchup, but just on opportunity volume, yeah. he's a fairly comfy RB2 at this point. Yeah, 96% of the snaps for Conner last week. I couldn't believe when I saw that. And he had 21 carries and three targets. Um, yeah, I don't think he's going to be efficient for most games the rest of the way, just because this Cardinals offense and the old line is so bad, but any running back getting that level of volume is, is a pretty easy starter for sure. Well, that's going to do it for this week 11 preview edition of the podcast, become a DS insider today. You can see exactly where we rank all these guys, how they compare to each other and get specific lineup recommendations for all of your teams right on the site. You can find our fifth buy, sell, hold report of the season on DraftSharks.com right now. You can also find Jared's weekly usage report, which goes through every team, talks about route rates, the kind of stuff that we talk about throughout these shows every week. If you're not a DS Insider, you can still find some free stuff over there. You can check out my top plays for underdog pickums. We are, we are, we're succeeding there. I don't have the exact number in front of me. I was about to read last week's number from my notes, but it's a different number this week. You can find all the details in the article. We also have Timmy Hernandez's pass rate over expected among the free articles every week on draft sharks. Also subscribe, rate, review, follow, share the podcast on whatever format, wherever you like to get it. We appreciate everything you can do for us on that front for Jared Smola and the rest of the draft sharks crew. I'm Matt Shaft saying thanks so much for swimming with us.